Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is Q&A podcast number 29, and I am joined by my lovely wife. How are you doing today, babe? Well, I'm a little sleepy, to be honest. She's yawning. She needs, we need a an injection of caffeine immediately. <laughs> we just went to our favorite coffee shop to, to re-up on the caffeine we had uh, inadvertently gotten into a pretty dire situation where here in the uh, in this post-collapse world ravaged by coronavirus, we had nearly ran out of coffee. <laughs> we had really ran out of the fancy coffee that she demands. But fortunately, oh, yes. fortunately, the the swanky cafe that we love here was open, and we were able to go and get another bag of coffee. So that's true. So the the show will go on. Okay. So today we have got four questions, four great questions from listeners, members of the audience out there. But I have just a little bit of a preamble before we get into those. First of all, I need to emphasize at the top of all these podcasts that I am not a doctor or a medical professional. I'm just a pragmatic, experienced self-experimenter, exercising free speech here on the internet, talking about my interpretations of the scientific literature that's out there. I spend in between eight to 10 hours a week on PubMed, which is kind of like the Google of science, uh, taking a look at all manner of studies, clinical trials out there that are done. And then I also spend a lot of time on forums, places like Longevity, And I even spend a lot of time picking through reviews on amazon.com because I want to see how the frank anecdotal evidence about these different biohacking, health, anti-aging things, I want to see how that lines up with what we're finding in the science. And sometimes there's not a complete alignment. And that's something that I know. That's something that I try to put out there. And that is the modicum of expertise that I speak from. But if you're making serious decisions about your health, you should get a opinion from a doctor and ideally get a second and perhaps a third opinion from a doctor. And then if you find some of my insights here helpful, I would suggest that you go and check out the Limitless Mindset Secret Society. And this is a very cool and pretty active exclusive biohacker community that we have on minds.com, which is the best free speech, pro-privacy, social network on the internet. We got a pretty good group of guys and one gal in that group. That would be you. In -hmm. fact, Mm -hmm. you're active in the group, actually. Yes. And we've got a good, a great respectful private discussion going on there. Sometimes we do things like uh, we've recently been doing some of these very fashionable Zoom happy hour hangouts, getting into some great chats. Even the cats were male. Even the cats were male? Yeah, on Zoom. The two kitties were both boy kitties? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe maybe we'll get some some feline diversity. (laughs) 
in in the future on our Zang, on our Zoom hangouts. So we'd love for you to be a part of it. What you need to do is invest at least $100 in your biohacking via the recommended, credible, vetted vendors of biohacking anti-aging stuff that I list there on the Secret Society page of my website. And you spend at least 100 bucks with them. With some of them, you need to spend a little bit more. I've got all the details there on that page. So do go check that out. But then you pick, you make that investment in your health and then you forward the receipt over to consultations at limitlessmindset.com. And then I get on Skype with you for 30 minutes. And that's my opportunity to kind of vet you because this is sort of a velvet rope type club. I need to just make sure that everyone's on the same wavelength that's going to be a part of it because quality control is my job. But of course, in that 30-minute call, I also will do my best to answer whatever questions you might have. You know, you might have things that you have Google searched and not found good answers to, or you've been kind of confused by what's out there. And my nearly nine years of experience doing all this biohacking, life hacking stuff, and then talking with like literally hundreds of other people out there on the internet doing the same thing, that gives me a lot of experience that I could fall back on that may be helpful to you. So I do hope that you will check that out. And then before I get into the four questions here, I also want to share with you a reading of the newsletter that I published this week because I think it's kind of an inspirational message that you might need. So the title of the newsletter was A Funny Story About Tyranny. So... The real downside to the COVID-19 pandemic is, I think, the global contraction of basic freedoms. In the United States Constitution, the Founding Fathers outlined our freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, right to peaceably assemble, right to bear arms, property rights to be secure in our quote-unquote effects. This means our possessions. I'm pretty sure it would have included our modern-day smartphones if they had been around back then in 1776. It includes the presumption of innocence until proven guilty in court, along with things like freedom of movement in the public space. And many of the American constitutional rights have been adopted by other countries around the world. However, recently, as clever internet memes have pointed out, the, the founding fathers enshrined these inalienable in these as inalienable rights, not as suggestions. The Constitution does not say, after all of those rights, it doesn't say, you know, hyphen or uh, asterisk, these rights can be thrown away if there's a scary virus. It says that they are inalienable. And I actually created a very, very clever, I think, uh, picture internet meme to go along with this. You are going to want to go and check out the podcast that is linked below wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, or check out the meme that I created. The article is going to include that meme 
Maybe you want to share it around just to be a just to be a clever guy on the internet. So our founding fathers imbued us with an unprecedented amount of freedom because they understood that freedom demands responsibility. If these rights were to be respected in a country, in a giant country that spanned across an entire continent, then the state, the establishments of society, would have to be very risk-averse, and they could not enact dysgenic policies that were harmful to general intelligence, that would systemically harm the moral discipline of the people. Of course, we now see all these basic freedoms being constricted, not just in the United States, but globally. The current lockdowns will likely be lifted in the coming weeks or months, but the infringement of basic rights will stick around and probably get worse. There's all this tentative uh, policy involving having flying drones and smartphone apps, policing, social distancing, and tracking everyone who we might meet. We're, we're facing deuce X levels of technologically mediated tyranny. It's pretty scary. As I talked about in my podcast, reviewing the book At Our Wits End, civilizationally, we're entering a dark age because of our, because of declining global general intelligence. You're going to want to go and check out the podcast that I did. I do link to that podcast because I, I explain this real in depth. I know a lot of people out there have probably heard of the Flynn effect and you might be thinking, wait a minute, isn't intelligence actually increasing globally? And this book explains why that's not the case, why it is in fact the opposite. However, there's good reason to be optimistic that it will be a short dark age. I don't think it will be like the dark ages that ensued after the collapse of the Roman Empire or the dark age that ensued after the collapse of the advanced antediluvian civilization that was taken out by an asteroid strike 12,000 years ago. You're going to want to go and check out my article that I also linked to, which was called Atlantis Existed. You remember that article, babe? Oh, yes. That was a great article, wasn't it? Yeah, based on Graham Hancock's novel. Mm-hmm. I remember that. The coming Dark Age will present the opportunity for the resurgence of philosophically robust freedom. It may serve as a cleansing fire. It will be the bad times that make strong men. And I'm optimistic that the descendants of those strong men can be the humans that reach the stars. But at first, there's going to be greater tyranny as we slide into this dark age. I'm not worried that we will face Soviet Union levels of total tyranny, but I predict that in our lives, we'll be subject to moderate political tyranny. Okay, so let me tell you a funny story about tyranny. 
my wife's father grew up here in uh, what was communist Bulgaria. And one day he was quite literally tyrannized by the fashion police. As a young man with a lot of swagger, he was proudly strolling down the boulevard, rocking some snazzy leather shorts that he got in Prague. And a policeman stopped him on the street and asked him where he got these, these you know, really avant-garde, brave, you know, leather shorts. And then the policeman took out a pair of scissors and actually cut his awesome leather shorts off him. And of course, this makes me try to visualize what would leather shorts look like. And I, I, I can't imagine men's leather shorts. I guess, we'll, I guess we'll have to Google image search that and we can get kind of an idea of what he was wearing. But I'm sure that it was very stylish. And they did this because the communists enforced equality by demanding that everybody dressed in really drab, plain fashion. They didn't beat him up or throw him in a gulag, but they harshly oppressed his expression and individuality. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a, a funny story to recount now. I mean, when it happened, I'm sure it was enraging. I, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for, you know, everything that everyone who has ever lived under communism had to go through, but it's it, it's undeniably kind of a funny sto story in retrospect. And in fact, we actually I actually posted a picture of me, my wife, and uh, and her dad. We call him Tatko. Um, so you may want to go and check out that photo. So I think this is analogous. I think that episode is analogous to the kind of tyranny we will face in the future. I'm not really worried about being imprisoned in a FEMA camp, but I think we'll have to deal with the technologically mediated oppression of our free expression and ideologically enforced suppression of human brilliance and beauty. We should, of course, organize and push back against this however we can. But let me give you a reason for hope in a time of declining freedom. Personal and interpersonal freedom matters more than political freedom in living a good life. I'll say that again because it's important. Personal and interpersonal freedom matters more than political freedom in living a good life. When you take extreme ownership of the things that you can control, which is your health, your relationships, and your work, you can live a good and meaningful life even in a time of tyranny. I would much rather live in a state of moderate tyranny, like for example, in communist Yugoslavia. For example, I'd much rather live there and have a loving, happy wife, be on good terms with my family, have good friends, do fulfilling work, be in good health, and be spiritually fulfilled, than, for example, live in Switzerland and be stuck with a tyrannical domestic partner, have a totally dysfunctional family life, be in bad health, be addicted to drugs and alcohol, 
and be a uh, hopeless, hopeless, nihilistic hedonist. Now, of course, we are much more likely to lead a better life the more politically free we are, but the personal and interpersonal freedom that results from having high standards and discipline in regards to our health relationships and work have a much greater impact on our lives than the government and the laws that rule us. So do what you can to maintain your political freedoms, but understand that you'll get much more bang for your buck out of personal growth efforts. As the idiocracy intensifies and we advance into the final chapters of Atlas Shrugged here, View life as a comedy and not a tragedy. Surround yourself with really great people and step up your investment in your health. And you'll be all the more empowered to contribute to a real golden age of humanity, which even now I think beckons at the end of a dark tunnel that we're sliding into here in the year 2020. What do you think, babe? Well, I totally agree with your point of view. Thanks. That's your job. That's what you're here for. <laughs> yeah. That's the most important thing. Okay. Yes. The joke aside, I really agree with John. Mm -hmm. It's very important to have personal freedom mm -hmm. to express yourself mm -hmm. which we earn by we don't get freedom for free we earn it with our discipline okay let's get into the questions okay so samuel p responded to your newsletter a funny story about tyranny and he said, I have something for you regarding this statement. Personal and interpersonal freedom matters more than political freedom in living a good life. The issue is ultimately population health rather than personal liberty. And the reality is equal for all and all are equal is the deepest lie in this. Thus, the most persistent expression of control. The controlling bodies, media outlets, branches of government, lobbyists and doctors are also not in on this campaign. Influence us to further control each other, don't they? And they do that by convincing us that we are all equal. When that is the aspect that is true less and less. Thus, we become blind to the specific specificities 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 <laughs> of our own lives, or our own health, indeed, of our neighbor and of population health. Your statement about personal and interpersonal freedom is now about as false and useless as one could come up with. False that and useless. <laughs> oh, false very, and useless. Very literally is not population health without measures of population control. 
and you are promoting what the source of the problem is. My specialty is the human condition and there is one set of problems that just don't change, not ever. Oh boy. Do you have any idea what this guy is trying to say? Maybe he's a doctor. I don't think he's a doctor. Because whenever people are doctors, they email me and say, I'm a doctor. Here's what I have to say to you. Maybe he's a doctor wannabe. Mmm. Yeah, I'm just... Okay. So this is... This is one of these emails that I get from time to time where the person is, they're going really deep and they've got like some type of, in their head, they have some deep philosophical truth and they make it in generalizations as opposed to uh, specific examples. Because I'm just not, I'm just not sure what this guy is saying. Um, if he can come up with a, an example of what he's saying because I, I think I agree with him uh, yeah is that we we all get sold kind of a lie of equality and there's no equality there's amongst no equality amongst people that's that's totally true there's we an, are not equal there's an ideal of there's an ideal of of uh, of uh, metaphysical equality there's an ideal of uh, reciprocity. I'm a much bigger fan of the idea of reciprocity. And complementary. Complementarianism. Yes. Yes. But he's, I'm not sure, I don't understand why he says that personal and interpersonal freedom is, is, is false and useless. I don't get that. Maybe he wants to write us back and give an example of why that would be the case. You know, tell us a story, give us a case study, quote us a... I'm not seeing... I, I, yeah, I'm not seeing the reasoning. I, I'm understanding that we have uh, systems of control that are, that are harmful and that the systems of control tell us a lie, that we are all equal when in fact we aren't equal and the systems of control increase inequality in a harmful way while telling us a lie that we are all le all equal and that's uh you know that is really a, a picture of the the psychopathic kind of it's kind of state of evil that the world is in but i'm not seeing why that means that we should have no hope in personal and interpersonal freedom my take is that our, our only real hope is in personal and interpersonal freedom because by exercising extreme ownership over that which you can change, which is your health, your relationships, and your work mostly, by exercising extreme discipline with those things and by implementing all the kinds of biohacks that I'm into so that you can defy the gravity of your own epigenetic trauma, that's the way that you sculpt a good life for yourself. Even when we have all these controlling bodies, the media, the government, the lobbyists, the uh, all these tyrannical you know, characters that are seeming to influence health freedom out there, that seems to be where the only real hope lies so you would have, have to explain to me why we don't have that and you know if you want to cite some examples that would clarify things 
Let's move on to the next question. Okay, next question comes from Terry. So, regarding products for sale, I am a bit reticent about any exotic nootropics. I rely on caffeine. Hmm. One week coffee very early in the morning. Only every second day. No caffeine on the alternative day. I love the film Limitless starring Bradley Cooper and I guess that film is sort of describing modafinil. However, as I mentioned, I prefer to keep my intake as natural as possible. Caffeine is about as exotic as I get and even that substance I limit to keep myself sensitive to its effects. So I think this would be, uh, I think it would be great for Terry to introduce the adaptogens into their biohacking. She, she or he, I'm not sure, has more to say. Oh, okay. I am, however, having trouble moving from dual one back to dual two back using some free software I downloaded, brainworkshop.net. I have an impaired working memory capacity due to anxiety. Do you have any strategies, techniques that you could recommend for me to be able to progress from dual one to dual back two? Yeah. So if they are a conservative biohacker and they don't want to take crazy things like modafinil, they don't want to take any risks, then I think the adaptogens are their best bet because the adaptogens are a category of herbal nutraceuticals that are things like uh, ginseng, rhodiola, eleuthero, chaga, to name some of the, the top ones that I think are worth your attention. And these are things that have been a part of, of traditional medicinal culture in China, in, uh, in places like Russia. These are medicines that have been used since time immemorial. And I have this theory on human evolution being intertwined with herbal nutraceutical medicine, because you can imagine 10,000 years ago, your ancestor would have been a guy in a village. And your ancestor was like the village chieftain. He was a guy who could afford to buy ginseng so that he could get an erection, so that he could impregnate his fourth wife and have his 16th child, because he was the village chieftain for whatever reason, probably because of innate uh, competence as a hunter, he would have been a bit wealthier and he would have been able to afford something like ginseng that would make him more fecund and then he could have more children. And then the, the, uh, the, the responsiveness, the biological responsiveness that he might have to something like, like rhodiola is something that would get passed on down to you. So uh, the, yeah, something like rhodiola, I'm a really huge fan of it. I regard rhodiola as kind of like an alternative to caffeine in a lot of ways because it has a wakefulness effect, it has a positive effect on mood, it has a positive effect on anxiety that you mentioned, it peps you up, it tastes nice, I think, you can, and you can actually consume it as just a, it's just a tea. So I would suggest that you start taking rhodiola as it's just really, really safe stuff. You do want to make sure that you're getting 
toxin-free stuff. You don't want to buy any old rhodiola. And I would recommend rhodiola powdered as opposed to capsuled. In fact, I'll link to my best source on rhodiola in the article that goes with this Q&A podcast. But I would suggest that you check out that. Check out some things like ashwagandha, which will help a whole lot more with the anxiety. You could look at something like reishi mushroom for the anxiety. You could look at something like chaga, which is going to be a bit of a cognitive enhancer and also give you kind of a pep up in your immune system. And then you also mentioned one of Girgana's very favorite things, which is dual end back. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I gave her dual end back to try one time and she was she was not amused by it. So dual end back can be challenging and it's really not that fun. If you're having trouble moving from the one back to the two back, I would say that you you really need it then because most people can reach like the three back level. Didn't you reach the three back level in dual end back, babe? No. You never got you never got to three back. No. Okay. You should be able to reach the three back with some persistence. So you want to make sure that you're doing it for about 10, 15 minutes daily. And you can try things like doing some meditation before doing the dual end back, because then you'll kind of clear some of the other some of the other thoughts that you have from your mind. And so what you'll be doing is you'll be doing the dual end back and you're visualizing the little block jumping around the screen. And then as it jumps around the screen, it will say something. It'll say one, two, it'll say A, B, whatever. You'll get that audio cue that goes along with it. And as every time it jumps, you want to silently say, in your mind, every time it jumps to a new place, you want to, in your mind, imagine where it was previously. You want to, there's some people that try to get into like a, a flow of dual end back, where they're just kind of intuitively guessing where it was. They're just kind of making a, they're saying, well, if it feels to me, it seems to me like it was in the upper right quadrant and that, that it was number two in the upper right quadrant. And then they'll put that in there as a guess. And that's not really what you want to do. The purpose of dual end back is to increase the working memory. So you want to exercise the working memory. And you're also exercising the speeding up of your cognition with the dual end back. So you want to, you want to say it in your mind real fast. Say where it was two back ago in your mind real fast. And as you do that each time that it moves, then you'll get more accustomed to holding a bit more information in your mind, if that makes sense. But I would also say if you're, if you really can't get to the two back level, like if you're stuck at the one back level, or if you get stuck at the two back level, and you're spending some time on this, then you are going to want to start implementing some more biohacking strategies to kind of address that working memory deficit because uh, we all need a lot of working memory. Nowadays that we do, that most of us are doing some sort of IT technical labor, we all depend on the working memory quite a bit. So there's other things that you'd want to implement along with it. The nootropics would help. You'd want to try the 
rhodiola. You'd also want to try something like ashwagandha that'll help with the anxiety. You'll want to look at things like tantric breathing techniques. I would also suggest to you, try to spend a bit less time like surfing the internet or playing on your smartphone uh, during your leisure time as that has a negative effect on working memory. What you want to do instead is you want to try to spend about an hour a day reading and reading a book like a, it could be an old-fashioned book with papers or it could be something on your Kindle device that will actually exercise your working memory because when you read a book you're focused on one thing for 30 minutes or an hour as opposed to using the internet where your attention is jumping to a new thing every 30 seconds or every 10 seconds or every five minutes so try to spend a bit more time uh, reading old-fashioned books and try the rhodiola and i think you'll see your dual end back performance improve what's the next one babe okay so the next one comes from rush mm -hmm. via email okay so he says i saw an article on your site about super memo from 2013 are you still using it i'm not super familiar with your site but if you're interested in better and more learning, I'm not sure there's a better way. If you'd like some help trying out the desktop version, let me know. I'm not affiliated with them. I'm just a super memo addict. Okay. Yeah. So do you remember when I told you about super memo? Yeah. Those are the little notes, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like a note, a note flashcard system but they put it into a piece of software and they have apps for it and i think the best application for this is for language learning so just to give you everyone a quick overview for those who might be curious with this software they took advantage of something which is called the spaced forgetfulness model of human memory. And so this is this idea that you learn a new word in a foreign language, for example, and you learn a new word. And if it's your very first time learning a new word, it'll probably take you about two or three days maybe to forget that word. You'll learn it and then it'll just go, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. It'll go out of your memory. And so there, some research that was done by a, a Polish neuroscientist, I think, he discovered that there's kind of an optimal algorithmic model for when we should review information that we're learning. And of course, it, it expands by a bit. So there'll be a, a word that you learn in a foreign language, or it could be anything really. It could be facts about chemical engineering. You'll learn these things and then after say three days you'll forget them and so he designed an algorithm that reminds you to do a flashcard exercise on the second day before you forget it and then what happens is when you when you remember that when you remember that item when you pull that particular item back out of your semantic memory and you pull it back up into your working memory into the ram of the mind within that 
within that remembering window, then you get a neuronal connection in your brain that's a little bit stronger. And so then you can go five or six days before you forget that item. And so then the app gives you, uh, its algorithm tells you to practice it right before you're about to forget it. And then as you get better and better and better at remembering things, it's going to exponentially push out the amount of time increments that you need to have to remember something. It really is a very clever application of, you know, of neuroscience. And so I used this years and years and years ago to learn Spanish. And I really did learn to speak Spanish really well. It was, it was challenging for me to learn Spanish. I'm not like a person that naturally picks up languages really easily, but the, I used the Supermemo apps for Espanol. Y he aprendido a hablar Espanol muy bien. Mm -hmm. Although I do at this point need to practice my Spanish. At some point, you know, maybe we'll live in Spain and then I'll get to then I'll get to practice my memory, my, my Spanish again. And I anticipate, like, if we go to Spain at some point, that my Spanish will, will come rushing back to me because... I'm pretty sure it will. Yeah, because I did so much practice and because I used the Super Memo app. And so I, I built those, I built the neural network for Spanish there in my mind. But I've just, I've stepped back from it for... Oh geez, about four years now. But I bet you that once once I reimmerse myself, it'll it'll all come back to me. So it's a pretty cool thing. If Raj, if you have any specific applications of how you use Super Memo, I'm curious about that. Uh, maybe you even want to write a guest article on my website. If you're learning things, I just used it for language learning. But if you've used it for something else and you wanna tell us about that, I would love for you to contribute a guest article. And I know what my wife must be thinking is, can Jonathan use Super Memo to learn Bulgarian? And I did look into this, and unfortunately, there is no Super Memo Bulgarian app. There's no course. So what I was thinking though, what I was thinking though, is I believe Super Memo has a function where you can insert your own, your own vocabulary items. And so maybe we could do that and we could use that to learn Bulgarian that way. Because I think it would be, that might be helpful to me. It will be interesting for me to learn Bulgarian the same way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, the next question from Morton. Morton from YouTube. How's there in YouTube, Morton? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, I'm a long-time subscriber and I have two questions. Do you drive a car and do you think some smart drugs should not be taken when we drive? Okay, babe, do I drive a car and do I take smart drugs while I drive? No, you don't drive any cars. That's right. I live in Europe 
and I live in the very center of a city, and if I had a car, I would just be getting parking tickets on my car constantly. It would be a constant source of frustration. So I don't have a car. I have had cars in the past, and it's fine to take. They were beautiful. Thank you, thank you. I thought they were. Especially... Especially the Lexus. Tell them about the Lexus, John. Yeah, I don't need to tell them about the Lexus. But Why? yeah, she it's... Was, she was beautiful. She was such a pretty, pretty car. That's right. She was a pretty so, lady, yeah. yeah, it's fine to do smart drugs driving a car. I have read, at this point, thousands of anecdotes of people talking about their smart drug usage. And when I research smart drugs... I'm always curious about negatives. I go out there on the internet and I search for negative anecdotes of potential bad things that happen to people while they're on smart drugs. And smart drugs are generally very, very safe, but occasionally I will come across an anecdote of some person that got like too anxious or they had problems sleeping or occasionally someone will have like an odd effect on libido as a result of taking the wrong smart drugs. And I tell you, I have never heard anyone say that it affected their motor coordination and ability to drive a car safely. In fact, if you look at the studies on a lot of nootropics, not all of them, but a lot of them enhance motor control capacity, so they would make you better at driving a car. They would improve your improve your instincts driving a car. In fact, on the internet, you can find a lot of people saying that they take smart drugs before they play their video games. Like people will play People will perhaps competitively pay, play computer games. You know, maybe it'll, it'll be some computer game like Counter-Strike where they are running around and shooting people or maybe some computer game where people are racing around or something like that. You know, these are games of motor coordination skill. And uh, studies actually say that if you want to improve your driving abilities, if you want to make yourself like a safer driver on the road, you actually want to spend a bit of time playing those type of Twitch computer games where your, where your uh, split-second instincts are going to improve just a bit. And so the people that play those kind of computer games, they will often swear by smart drugs as improve as improving their abilities. So yeah, I think it'd be great for you driving. Uh, I mean, if you're going to drive, I suppose you would want to avoid anything that had a really strong anxiolytic effect. Like you might not want to take Phenibute while driving or a lot of ashwagandha might not be great. But other than that, I'd say you're probably going to be totally fine. Well, Those are our questions for today. I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and I look forward to a continued conversation with you.